Welcome to the Sisters with Swords podcast, where we explore God's word and discover his design for women as we wield our weapons of warfare on the battlefield of everyday life. We're your hosts, Holly Knight and Janie Burkett. Hey there, sisters, and welcome to our very first episode. We're doing it. We're here. We're doing the thing. Janie. Are you so excited? I'm so excited. We're finally here. I mean, all of the hard work you have put into this. <laughs> and I on, just get to show up. Emphasis on the word you, as in me, that I have put into this. But that's um, that's par for the course. I feel like you're a great ideas girl. And then I will go you make it happen. figure it out. Make it happen. Yeah. And um, that's how we roll. That's how we work well together. Uh, that's sisters for you, isn't it? So Today's lesson, uh, we're going to jump into it in just a second, but I wanted to give the title of it. And obviously you've got the title if you're listening to this because it showed up on your screen, but it is created to contend. And, um, I do love an alliteration. And so every podcast episode will have an alliterated title. And I just want to say you're welcome. Um, I, I hope you appreciate that as much as I do, because I, I just love alliteration for some reason it's, it's in my bones. Does it, does that bother you? Does that drive you crazy? That no, all my I love, alliterations, I love an alliteration too. I mean, it's we're si- sisters, sisters with, with swords. swords. Yeah. Everyone, every one of my kids, I was going to say you have alliterated children. Yeah. So you really do love Blake Banner, Byron Boone. Yep. That's it. And biscuit bar. Oh, look at us. It's, it's an alliterated world. It is. And I, we are talking about being created to contend. And, um, before we get in the lesson, I, I, I just, I want to give a story about my oldest daughter, Ava. She is currently home while we're, while we're recording this, by the time this comes out, she will not be home anymore, but she's currently home from college on winter break. And, uh, her younger siblings love it when Ava is home, mainly because she, they have someone who will fight for them. And what I mean is this, I get onto my younger kids for anything. If, and when that happens, Ava is the first to step in and be like, Whoa, mom, Whoa, calm down. Jolie didn't mean what she just said, like you took it, or she wasn't looking at you as side eye or James didn't have an attitude or whatever. Ava will come and get in between me and her siblings and duke it out with me. Um, she is ready to contend with me for justice always. Yeah. It's kind of funny. And no, it is really funny. And so while that, and, and I have tried raising my children and cause I'm still raising my children, but actively raising my children to argue with me. And that might be a hot take. That might be controversial. I understand that. But what I'm trying to teach my kids to do is if they disagree with me, if they think that something I've said or done is unfair or unjust or wrong, which happens because I'm not a perfect parent by any stretch of the imagination, I want them to be able to come to me and argue their case in a respectful manner. But I want them to be able to argue with me if they need to. And that's probably different than a lot of us were raised. Yeah. Definitely for us, for us, for sure. Not being given a green light to argue with your parents. You know, um, you have to do this just because I said so. And, and sometimes that is the case, right? Uh, because I'm the parent and I do know what is best for them in most situations, but 
situationally, if they disagree with, with me, I want them be, to be able to say it. Yeah. And so that is part of contending. And I want to teach my children how to contend well. And what I have learned through my study of scripture and through Genesis, and we're going to be reading some of Genesis today, but what I've learned is that we as women were actually created to contend. We were created for warfare, for wow. battle. Yeah. And that's not what we get taught. No. In, in many Christian circles. And so um, if you have your Bibles, if you're sitting at home or whatever, you can open to Genesis. If not, if you're driving, if you're, um, you know, at Target or at Costco, we love a Costco. If you are at any of those places, don't pull out your Bible. <laughs> Just listen. We're going to read these scriptures to you. But we as women were created to contend. And Janie, I know for a fact that you were created to contend. Yeah. You know, I'm always down to fight. You love a fight. You know, what's crazy is somebody just the other day said something about my husband being a teddy bear. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is my husband, he's, he's, he's not obviously as like outspoken as I am, but let me tell you what, he is no teddy bear. Uh, he is ready to fight too. So we, we love going at least an hour a day without a fight, but that's about as most as it gets. I that that is about the the longest you'll go without a fight because I on paper the two of you should not work no. with how much you both love an argument. Yes, and with how bullheaded both of you are, and you both are always correct. Yes, and so that can be a problem. And, um, but that's why I'm here. I'm here as the mediator, the, the marriage counselor slash marriage counselor for you guys. And so we do, we don't, we do love a good fight. And what I want to show you today and prove to you today is that is a part of God's image in us and on us. And so what we're going to do, I told you we're going to be studying the women of the Bible and we have to obviously start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. I'm not going to sing with you. And I am a professional singer. I don't know if you guys could hear how great that was right there, but I am professional. Uh, Janie, however, has her degree in piano performance. Yeah. And what did you do with that piano performance degree, Janie? You know, I immediately went and became a flight attendant. <laughs> And now we make the biscuits. And so. now you make biscuits. So it's going to good use. Yeah, sure is. Um, okay, so let's dive in, shall we? So we have the book of Genesis. And we know that Moses wrote the book of Gen Genesis. He was divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to uh, lay down the creation story for us. And the reason that that's so significant is because back in, in Moses day, there were many other creation accounts that were circulating. Um, a lot of people had different theories or different theologies on how and where the world came from. And all of these creation accounts left women out of the narrative entirely or made them out to be frail and fragile or cra crazy lunatics. So if women were even included in any of these creation stories, they were made to look stupid. And the writer of Genesis, Moses, wanted to tell the correct 
truthful account of creation, which included acknowledging and honoring women. So this is the very first and true, obviously, creation account where women are acknowledged and honored Mm. as an image bearer of God. And so in the Genesis account, there is only one sentence given to describe the creation of man. Okay. But there are six sentences to describe the creation of woman. Wow. That's significant. It's very significant. So the, I, I think the point is women were not put into this story by accident. Right. It was very intentional and deliberate to God through Moses to write that he had a plan for women and they were intentional part of creation from day one. Now, this does not mean obviously that we are better than men, but he did make a point of describing his daughters and he was deliberate about it. And we are not less than men. We are not an afterthought. You, you hear that in some Christian circles that women are less than men because we were created after man or second, um, or that we were an afterthought because God created man. And then all of a sudden, well, it looks like we need a woman here too. So let's, you know, just an afterthought with, and that's not true either. We were always a part of the original plan. And in my mind, and this is clearly not biblical, what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think God created the species in order of intelligence, the least intelligent to the most intelligent with us. Okay. Uh, Those were the last ones. Yeah. That's my theory. (laughs) And I think it's a good one. Um, so you can do it that what what you will because that's definitely not canonized scripture that I just spoke there. That is the opinion of a crazy redhead headed lady. Okay, so let's get into Genesis. So in Genesis one, we have the creation account, and we are in this rhythm. God creates, and it is good. God creates, and it is good. So He creates the sky, the land, the sea, the sun, the moon, the stars. And every time after he is creating all of these things, you read, and it was good. It was all good. But in Genesis two, we see the first instance of God saying, it is not good. And God used the, the, the phrase, it is not good for man to be alone. That was the first time he said, it is not good. But instead of immediately creating woman, here's what he did. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. But then he had Adam name all of the animals. Wow. And so essentially what was happening is he, Adam heard God say, it's not good for me to be alone. I shouldn't be alone. Okay, well, then let's see if there's a companion here. And all of the animals come by and Adam names them. And essentially every time he sees an animal or he's naming an animal, he's sitting there and looking, but that one's not like me. Yeah. That one's not like me. That animal is not like me. Where is the one that is like me that can be a friend, that can be a companion to me because yeah. I shouldn't be alone? And so what God is doing here, I think, is setting the stage for Eve's arrival so that when she finally does arrive, oh, there she is. Yeah bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And she is very good after this time. Can you imagine? I mean, I think 
Genesis 2 gives one verse that says Adam had to name all the animals. But really, can you imagine how long that took? That probably took a long time. Yeah. I Like months? Yeah. Years? Yeah. I mean, a long time of Adam searching all of these living creatures and not finding one that was suitable for him. Right. And so, um, so now we get to this part, Genesis 2, 18. Janie, do you have that scripture? I'd like for you to read it. Okay. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Okay. So when you hear the word helper, what immediately comes to your mind? I mean, probably what comes to my mind in this context is like, or what I've always been taught is I think of like a helper who's going to like, you know, make coffee for Adam. Yeah. Like a helper in the kitchen or like be his secretary laundry. Right. Um, make sure he's getting three square meals a day. Yeah. Um, that he's putting the toilet seat down. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's what comes to mind in, in the context of what I've always been taught and maybe not taught, spe- not been taught that right. specifically, but like, you know, maybe nobody's actually said that, but that's been kind of the feeling that's been implied to me. Right. Is that the Eve was created to clean Serve up Adam. and clean up after yes. him, essentially. That's what a lot of us women in Western evangelical Christianity, that is what we have in our mind when we hear the word helper. And um, your translation, which is the CSB, it said, what, a helper? Corresponding. Corresponding. Um, Some other phrases, some other translations will be a helper suitable or a helper comparable or a helper equal for him. So obviously when Adam sees Eve, he finally sees someone who looks like him. Yeah. And who was created just like he was created in the image of God. But I think we get hung up on that word helper. Right. And we think we are here as a lesser person to man because we're here to serve man. Like an assistant. An assistant. That's a great way of putting it. And what I want to show to you is that is not at all what that means. Okay. So we have I'm definitely open to this. Okay, good. <laughs> so we have the word helper in our minds what that means, but we need to go back to the original language, which is Hebrew. This uh, book was written in the Hebrew language, and we need to see exactly what that word is and what it means and what it meant back then. Okay. So the Hebrew phrase for helper suitable is azer konegdo. Okay. And I want to spell that um, so people have it in their minds of what this looks like. Azer is E-Z-E-R, Azer, and then Konegdo is K-E-N-E-G-D-O. And what this phrase means is a helper, a strong rescuer, or a savior in battle or war. This is a military term. Okay. A strong rescuer. That's what this is essentially saying is woman was created to help the man in ways that he could not help himself. Okay. She was to be shoulder to shoulder with him, 
eye to eye with him in all things as a bearer of arms next to him in battle. Wow. And we see this term Azer used multiple times in the Old Testament. And the first thing I want you to know is that this word Azer is never used to describe man. But this word Azer is used over and over and over to describe God. Wow. And this is the first thing spoken about woman in the garden after she was created. And I think it gets lost on us that we don't go back to the original language and we don't dig into the context of these words because this right here changes the whole shift, the whole mindset, the whole paradigm of what woman was created for and what woman was created to do. Yeah. If I think of like, I need a strong rescuer. I don't think about somebody that's like my assistant. No, I think of like, I'm calling, you know, maybe the uh, Navy SEALs or something exactly, like that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or the Coast Guard. Right. Or, the uh, Coast Guard. Yes. That was, you dug deep for that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the paramedics. Right. If you're, if you're ill, if you're sick and you cannot help yourself, you call someone who can get there quickly. As a strong expert. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what woman was created to do for man. And with man. And, um, and so I want to, I told you that the word Azer was used to describe God. And oftentimes this word was used to describe God in relation to Israel when they were in war, when they were in battle and they were losing, they would cry out to God for their help, for him to come and save them in battle and to rescue them in battle. And so I've got a few scripture references here that I want to share and that you can look up at, um, on your own later, but really study these and, and look at these. And so Psalm 33, 20 says, we wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. He is our azer. Psalm 75, I am uh, 70 verse five. I am oppressed and needy. Hurry to me, God. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my azer. Lord, do not delay. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. Uh, I love this verse, and this might be familiar to some of you if you've been in Scripture for any length of time. I will lift my eye towards the mountain. Where will my help come from? Where will my azer come from? My help, my azer comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we see over and over and over that God is Israel's help in their time of distress. And this was the exact word used to describe woman. And God did not do that unintentionally or accidentally. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Ladies, we were created to contend. Yeah. In our bone, we are warriors. In the very marrow of our bones, we're ready for battle. And that is part of God's image that we bear. We are helpers. He is a helper. We are not an accident or an afterthought. So woman in Genesis 1 was given the same scriptural mandate as man. And that's Genesis 1 27. Janie, could you read that? 
So God created mankind in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created him male. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. So we see here that God created mankind in his image, that's male and female in his image, both equally made in the image of God. And not only that, he created them male and female. So very separate creatures, but both equally in the image of God. And then he gave mankind, male and female, the same biblical mandate, which is be fruitful, multiply, subdue and rule. And when we look at this mandate, a lot of times we women feel like we're in charge of the be fruitful and multiply part, right? Because we're, we're the child bearers and that men are in charge of the subdue and rule, subdue the earth and rule over every living creature. So we just naturally, and, and I think historically in our own minds, we take on as women, the be fruitful and multiply mandate while assuming that the men are going to take over the subdue and rule mandate. Yeah. That's where those episiotomies come in. <laughs> we know, you know, we've talked about an episiotomy in the trailer. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. It'll bless you. Be blessed. But that's not the case. God gave both of us the exact same mandate to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and rule. The ruling and the subduing is just as much our job as it is man's. Well, and I think what's interesting is the word subdue. That implies that there will be something to subdue. Right. So, you know, God wouldn't give us a mandate to do something that is completely unnecessary. Right. And so subdue and that dominion mandate implies that there's, there's going to be something that's squirrely out there that needs to be treaded down upon that needs to be fought for that needs to come under submission. And we're the ones to put it under submission. And so I think that that word is interesting because it, it doesn't imply that everything's just hunky dory. Do people say hunky dory anymore? You know what? We're going to bring it back. It's all just hunky dory Mm -hmm. that then that word wouldn't even be necessary to be in there. Right. And so, and subduing something usually, uh, is accompanied by contention. Right. Of some sort. I guess the thing I think of when I think of subdue is like, you know, my four-year-old Byron, Mm -hmm. like having a total meltdown. Yeah. And I've got to like, grab him. And sometimes that feels like war. Yes. You know, you know, sure for the four year old. Uh, so, you know, you've got to grab him and like calm him down. And that's kind of what I think about when I think of subdue, it's obviously a big action <laughs> term. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not an equestrian. Okay. To say the least. Oh, but I think of a wild horse that right. needs to Speed be broken, broken yeah. and calmed down. And there is contention that happens in that process. Right. And so there's, there's going to be contention in, in our mandate of being fruitful, multiplying, subduing and, and ruling the earth. Um, and we were, like I said, both given that mandate. Um, and so I want to just kind of put a pin in the lesson and just 
talk personal here for a second because you and I both have remarkably strong personalities. Yes, very strong. I would say that yours is stronger than mine. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And and that's wild to people who have never met you, who have only met me. Right. Because they're like, how is it get worse? It, it, because and I, then I come along. No, for sure. <laughs> because I have got a mouth on me. I've got a huge personality. I'm not afraid to say what I think. Um, I I will do ridiculous things to get a laugh. Um, whatever it takes, you know, to, to well, get, they a, know, cause you've brought up a PZ to get a point so. across, <laughs> I'll do it. And, and that's a lot for some people. And I understand that. And that I always say, if you think I'm a lot, I need you to meet my sister because she makes me look like mother Teresa. And, um, we're both really big personalities. Yes. And from the time I would say, I was about 20 to 35 and maybe on in a little bit, it's still lingering probably. I don't know if I'll ever get over it, but I used to hate my personality, Mm. Uh, especially being in ministry and being a minister's wife, quote unquote, at large churches. I, where I saw modeled for me, meek, quiet wives, uh, I think a lot of people would use the word submissive as if you can't be loud and submissive at the same time. But I think those two things don't um, just naturally correlate in our minds. But I would see modeled for me what I thought a perfect minister's wife should be. And I knew I would never be that. Yeah. Never. Because I'm, I'm ready for a fight too. I'm, and I'm ready. I, I'm ready for a good time. Like what, what you, you want to go laugh? You want to go fight? Call me. I'm good either way. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I was ready to go. And, and I was made to feel for so long that I was too much. Yeah. You, not just feel, I'm sure you've been told that. I was, I was, I was told that. And I was made to feel that I, I was too much and it took a few things. It took me getting out of those situations, first of all, and really acquainting myself with the word of God and the stamp of his image on me to realize that my personality is not, nor has it ever been a mistake. Mm. Now, do I need to bring my flesh under submission to the Holy Spirit? Heck yes. Do I need to tame my tongue? Ya betcha. But my personality is intentional. It was on purpose. Yeah. It's not a mistake. It is not a mistake. And the, the fight that I have in me for certain things mm. reflects God's image. And the joy I get from certain things reflects God's image. And the loud mouth he gave me, hopefully in a lot of situations, reflects God's image. Yeah. And I... Honestly, I have never been told that. I had to find that out for myself. Mm-hmm. I had to dig into God's word for myself because I never truly in ministry have ever been told by a peer or by, you know, someone in authority over me, your personality is huge and you are a riot and you are just like God made you for ministry. Yeah. I've never had anybody tell me that. Now you have a big personality as well. 
And how does that work for you in the business world? Because you're a chief, you're a co-CEO, chief executive officer of your business, but then you're also the chief operating officer. So you are in charge literally of hundreds of people. Yeah. I think for me, it's been a lot different just because, you know, in the business world, it is not only more accepted, but in a lot of times expected for someone in a, an executive role to have a strong personality, to have uh, strong opinions and, and great leadership skills. And in some ways, as a woman, I almost have to overcompensate for not being a man, or at least in my head, yeah. uh, not being a man uh, in, in some situations by being a little even more exertive than I, I think I would normally be. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a little bit different in the business world, uh, than, than in ministry where, where women are expected to have a, a different, a different role or a different personality. Like you said, I think, or be uh, quiet, just, just in general, being quiet is not, I've never been good at that. Not a strength of these girls. <laughs> no. And so, you know, that, so that, that's a little bit different for me in business. I think, uh, leaning into my personality has helped me in business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what's interesting though, is that God always gives us an assignment knowing we might not be qualified, but he does give us the assignment that he knows we're through his strength and through what he gives us, we're going to be capable of achieving if we are obedient to him. Right. And so I think that, you know, it, it's something that we definitely don't need to be ashamed of. And if you're not a loud person and you're quiet, you know, God made you just like that. Congratulations. Too. So How does that feel? I just, <laughs> I just think that a lot of times as women it, and part of it might be our society too, we're looking around to see, well, we should be like that, or we should be like this other person or this person on, you know, Instagram or on TikTok. For those of you that are on the talks, like we said, we're not, not um, on the talks, but there's these expectations of, of what we should be that society puts on us. And it seems like God's expectation for us is to be his image bearer. He expects obedience from us and he expects us to have exactly the same personality that he intended for us to have, because he didn't make a mistake. He wasn't on accident. It was on purpose. And I think there's so much freedom in that. Yeah, there is. And no matter if you've got a, a big personality or you're quiet, you're an extrovert, you're an introvert, it doesn't matter. You, there is a fight in you for something. And, and that goes along with the fruitful and multiply, because if you are fruitful and multiply and you become a mom, then you definitely become a mama bear. You will kill for your kids. <laughs> yeah. Anyone messes with my kids? Uh, messes with my husband, messes with any of my family. I'm out for blood. Well, and I love what you've said before about the fight specifically that you have for your adopted children. Yes. I think you should talk a little bit about yeah. that. I, uh, we have two kids that we adopted from Uganda and three that I gave birth to. And obviously you love them all differently, but equally, if that makes sense. And if you're a mom, you understand what that means. But there is a specific fight that I have in me for James and Jolie because I had to go through hell to adopt them into our family. And 
that's what my book, Stubborn Obedience, is about. If that's something that you would be interested in reading, you can find that in the show notes or on Amazon. Uh, it goes into detail about our story. But I literally had to move mountains. The Lord had to move mountains, had to move heaven and earth for this adoption to take place. And it was the fight of my life. And I was stuck in the country of Uganda. I was there for nine weeks, couldn't get out of the country with these kids and just kept meeting wall after wall after wall that the Lord and I would kick down and bust through and just saw miracle after miracle happen. But it was such a difficult time of my life. But I knew that I had been called, that our family had been called to adopt these two kids. And so because of the heartache and the suffering and the pain that was involved in adopting these two kids, I have a different fight in me for them. I I have such a fight. Uh, like I said, I will draw blood and if they get messed with and they have, um, they're black kids. Obviously I'm a white mom. So there's been you know, racism has, has come in and trust and believe I have handled that to the utmost <laughs> when it has happened. Um, I've had to fight for one of my kids with learning disabilities. I took on the New York public school system single-handedly for two years and got exactly what she needed. Um, I, I I will fight to the death for these two kids because there is such a passion in me because of what I had to go through to make them a part of our family. And I, I think about it often that that fight that I have in me as a mom of adopted children is a picture of the fight that God has in him for us, his adopted children. That fight that I have in me, that passion, sometimes anger is a reflection of the Lord and how he feels about us because you have to think about what he went through right, to adopt us. Yes. He sacrificed his son who actually literally went to hell and defeated hell. And, um, and that's, that's what, how God feels about us. So when you have that passion and that burning energy in you to contend for your children, I need you to know that that is a beautiful picture and a representation of how God feels about us. And it's not too much. And you can get called a mama bear. You can get called, you know, crazy or whatever. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to overstep the boundaries here of being unkind or being rude or, um, going against the, what the Holy spirit would have you do. But I'm just telling you that that fight that you have in you is a picture of how the Lord feels about us. What do you have? I was just going to say, you know, in Galatians 4, 5, it's uh, 4, 4 and 5, it says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. And I think about a lot of what this is talking about is specifically the 
you know, people who were not Jews at the time. And if you think about what God did for the Jews, they were just his people because he, he chose them as their people and he made a covenant with Abraham. But like you said, the, what he had to do to graft us into that and to adopt the rest of us who are not of that Jewish bloodline and into his family, it was so much more than, uh, what he had to, what, what he did for the Abrahamic covenant. And so that's, that's what I just think is, is such a great and beautiful parallel between your, your, uh, biological girls who of course you love and are just as much an heir as the adopted kids. But, but God gave us that call and that fight. And what I think is so great is, you know, we, God might not have given us children. God might've given us a business or he might have given us something else, um, to be fruitful and multiply with. Right. It doesn't just mean, uh, offspring. Right. And so I love that image because whatever God has, you know, placed around that he wants us to be fruitful and multiply. He also is giving us the subdue and rule mandate over that as well, which means it's going to have some type of opposition. We're going to have to contend for it. And so even if you are not a mom yet, or you have just not had children, you, you have that mama bear instinct in you for something, for something. And that's on purpose. Yes. Yes. Because that reflects the image of God that contentious, that contentiousness that we have in us for the fight for justice, for something is a reflection of the image of God. And, and while we are created to contend ladies, while we are created for battle and for warfare, um, we have to know who we're battling. We have to know against whom we contend and it is not one another. It is not the, other mom at the school carpool line that gets in, that cuts you off every time you go. Hey, pick now up your listen, kid. okay. You got to follow the school carpool line. Okay. Okay. I did see somebody today, like totally go the wrong way and I didn't do anything. You because... honk at them and yell no, at them and tell them. I did not. Okay. Look at you, Janie. Yeah. The Lord's working on me. I'm sure sanctification, <laughs> the process. He sure is. He's working on me. Um, <laughs> your, your enemy is not anyone in your family. It's not your husband. It's not your kids. It's not the friend who, um, broke up with you, you know, years ago, it, it, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. We have a real enemy of our souls that we are called to contend with on a daily basis. And it is not another person. And we do this battle through prayer. And that's where our biggest battlefield is called to be ladies is battling our enemy through prayer. You want to pick up a weapon. You want to let that mama bear out. You want to fight for justice, get on your knees and pray. That's where the real battlefield is. And that's where we are called to do our greatest warfare alongside our brothers in Christ, whether that be your husband, your actual brother, a coworker, whatever it is, your brothers in Christ, we are called to contend alongside them. And, uh, and our enemy is not anybody you can see. Our enemy is not with flesh and blood. And I want to read Ephesians six. And, um, this is a really great passage of scripture. And Janie, uh, 
on Thursday is going to take you through some of this, help you memorize it. She's going to break it down for you a little bit more and help you meditate on it. But for the purpose of this lesson, I want to read some of this for you right now. And I want to draw some attention to a few things and then we will be done. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord. This is Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. There's our enemy, okay? Not your neighbor, not your mother-in-law, not anybody else. Your enemy is the schemes of the devil. There he is. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth, like a belt around your waist righteousness, like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the a gospel of peace in every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? The word of God sisters with swords, <laughs> the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So this is our battle plan. You will notice all of these pieces of armor. Let's go through them. We've got a helmet of salvation. We've got a belt of truth around our waist. We've got a breastplate of righteousness. Our feet are sandaled with the gospel of peace. We've got a shield of faith. We've got a helmet of salvation and a sword of the spirit. One of the things you will notice about all of these pieces of armor is that they are all forward-facing pieces of armor. A mm. breastplate, a helmet, a belt, a shield, a sword. Our backs are exposed in battle. Why do you think our backs might be exposed in battle, Janie? Well, probably because if we stand back-to-back, -back, we got each other's back. We've got each other's back. If you're back-to-back -back with, your, with your brothers in Christ, like you're supposed to be contending next to the men, your, your back is covered. I would also say, and this is one for the ladies, okay, because I know how we are ladies, but I would also say that our backs are exposed because we will never turn our back on our enemy and run away. Mm. Someone messing with you, someone messing with you kids, you're going to run away scared or are you going to advance, advance, advance? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I've already said that. And so we don't ever retreat in defeat ever. And when we are fighting and helping, when we are azers alongside other mm. azers, our backs are always covered by each other. And that's the beauty of living in community, right? Right. And that's why we're called the community, community with other believers. And I think one of the things that you've said before about this passage, which I it, it brought such a visual to me, is if you think about particularly how medieval warfare and maybe even before medieval warfare before that time period was done um they would stand so shoulder to shoulder sh shoulder to shoulder and create a circle yeah and so that their like you said their backs would not be exposed the other warriors next to them shoulder to shoulder yeah. would be exposed and so i think number 1 that shows again that 
not anyone is above the other. Right. Just men are not above women and women are not above men. Right. Uh, it's, it's, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder finding something. And, uh, that, that's a really great picture of what we should be with the other believers in our lives and the other women in our lives who are believers and the other, the other men as well, not just our husbands, but other men, uh, that, that we can learn from our brothers in Christ and fight with as well. Yeah. And, and that's, exactly what we're called to do. That's, that's our battle plan because we were created for battle. And so here's our armor, which we have all of that, but then uh, our marching orders are in verse 18 specifically. And I told you, where are we going to do our most contention? In the spirit, praying in the spirit on our knees in prayer. So pray at all times in the spirit, spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession, which is prayer for all the saints. So that's our battle strategy. We have to get suited up. We don't ever retreat. We don't ever turn our back. We're in battle with community. We're in battle with other believing women and men. We are shoulder to shoulder. We are eye to eye and we have drawn our sword of truth and we are ready for battle. But the battle is not yours. It's it's the the Lord's. Lord's. Amen. And we have to know who our enemy is and it is not each other. But ladies, I just want to tell you, you were created to contend. The first thing said over you was Azer Conegdo. Here is a strong rescuer in time of need. A strong rescuer. I love that. And I think something to think about women as you're, as you're, you know, contemplating what we've talked about is what is God calling you to fight? I think God is always calling us to a fight of some sort. And I love one time I was talking with you about this, Holly, and you said, if what you feel God has called you to fight against is another person, it wasn't the Holy Spirit telling you that. The Holy Spirit did not call you. (laughs) But if God's got a specific, if you feel that you are called to fight against a specific injustice, maybe at your workplace, maybe uh, a business idea that you have, or maybe your, uh, something that's going on in your community. And it is, uh, not against a person, you know, God is calling all of us constantly to fight something. He wouldn't give us armor and a battle plan if there was not supposed to be a a battle. If we didn't have to subdue something. Right. So what is God calling you to subdue? What is God calling me to subdue? And uh, how can we get other people involved in that so that we aren't fighting alone? We're fighting with the Holy Spirit and we're fighting with each other as well. The, The key to that is finding a group of people whose eyes are open to the battle around them. Yeah. And who are committed to warring against the enemy with other believers. And the other thing I just thought of is, you know, if you think of, again, a battle plan, any, any battle, they're either advancing and taking territory or they're losing territory. Yeah. So we should always be trying to advance and take more territory in the spiritual realm for the kingdom. Yes. Absolutely. And And so it's not that, oh, that's not for me. I don't necessarily need to be fighting. That's somebody else's job, or I'm just being going to be over here and, you know, be submissive and not, not 
you know, do get engaged in something like that. You know, God is calling all of us as believers to take territory in the spiritual realm back from the enemy. He's given us the authority to do it. He's given us the strategy to do it. He's given us the weapons and he's given us the armor to do it. And he didn't do that for us to not be engaged and involved. So get in the fight. And he didn't do that for us to not be victorious. Yes. We do win. (laughs) We do win. Okay, ladies. That's it. That's our first podcast. Our first episode of Sisters and Swords. We want to know what you think. We want to hear your feedback. Um, Reach out to us on social media and let us know how we can pray for you. We love you and we'll see you on Thursday. See you soon. Sisters with Swords is produced and edited by Holly Knight. Original music by the Minister of Funk and Husband of the Year, Bradley Knight. Artwork by Holly Knight. And dinner tonight will also be provided by Holly Knight. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Sisters with Swords. We're cheering you on, sister. Go wield your sword.